Ovajana, Tumiran Tasya, Yanam Jana Shalakaya, Chakshur Militam Yena Tasma Ishigaravinamaha. There was uh, once a rather cantankerous old lady who used to cook at one of the nuts for the devotees. Yeah, somewhat ill tempered, difficult to get along with, quarrelsome. <coughs> so and shortly after that, uh, some of the devotees of the mat were talking about her, and they were all recalling all the different fights they had with her. Then uh, Sarsha Thakur happened to walk in the room, and they were talking about her. And he said, "Well, don't you also remember how she used to cook for you every day? How she..." Uh, very beautifully performed and affectionately performed that service and they all fell silent. There was uh, a Katak, of course many of these stories I'm telling you are from Katak, the city of Orissa. Um, because Jyoti Shekhar was from Katak and he joined the Magda and he, he had many remembrances of mm-hmm. So the branch of the Gorya Magda is called Satchidananda you just move this arm on you. So that Matthew doesn't put up feet in it. It's also part of the Lord's paraphernalia. So actually we should not have enough feet anyway. So, um, yeah, that's called the Satchidananda. Our Bhakti's sense of the Takamini is after Satchidananda Tako Bhakti. No, Satchidananda is another name for Tako Bhakti. Bhakti Tako had been a teacher for some time in Tata. Although when the mud was established there, he had quite some time before passed away. The, how it started was that first of all, the devotees, they had a, a, a rented house in Kotak. They, they started their preaching activities. It's like that in this one also, if you see throughout the world. Usually the devotees, they rent a building and they use it for some time. And when the activities expand, they get their own temple their own building. So in the beginning in uh, Katak, they were worshipping the deities in a rented house, which was actually quite untraditional, because although householders w- would worship their deities at home, um, brahmacharis, they wouldn't rent a house, it was just unheard of. But Bhakti Sansaswata did many unheard of things for the sake of preaching. So what happened, there was a, uh, there was one Chintamani Babu, one beetle nut merchant of Katak, and uh, he had a deity, Shalagam Shri, and this Shila was uh, quite famous for fulfilling people's desires. So uh, one time he had a dream that uh, we should give this duty to Pakistan Now at the same time there's one lady in Katak who, who uh, had some land, a nice piece of land in the city center. And she also had a dream that she should give this land to a sadhu, that she didn't know which sadhu to give it. So she wrote the names of different sadhus on a piece of paper and put it in the bag. And had her daughter, local sadhus, and had her daughter pull out 
the name. So the name came out of Sadhupatistansa. So, so uh, without any endeavor on his part, Siddhanta Saraswati had land uh, in in Qatar. And Chintamani Babu, Chintamani Nayak, he, he also donated to build the temple. But Saraswati Thakur was still a little displeased because the the land was a nice location on an important road, but on, along the main road there were all different shops. So he wasn't very pleased at the, the entrance to the temple. People, they wanted to see the temple because it was blocked by the shops. So the shops, they actually belong to Chintanamani Babu. So he, uh, he got the shopkeepers to move out and gave that land also and demolished the shops and then he made a wall and uh, was nicely situated the temple. He made a nice temple and uh, the deities of Radha, Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so on. And that Shalabhan Shiva is also worshipped. And uh, there's the they had the printing press there for printing body of books. Uh, when Bhakti opened the press, he gave a lecture inside the press room and he said that this uh, printing press, it is aprakrita, it is transcendental, just as the deity is transcendental. He said that the printing press is not any less important than... The printing press and the production of books is not any less important than the worship of the deity. So he, he deliberately placed this, it's very close to the, just a two minutes walk from the deity room. So all the time the clack, 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 and those old presses, you know, that sound would be there. But Sarsar Tako considered that this sound to be very pleasing because it's the printing of transcendental literature. So as I was explaining yesterday, Sarsar Tako had one room on the roof above above the uh, Dhammachari ashram and you can still see that the bed he used and the shoes, the wooden shoes he used as still preserved. And there's also a photo which is now in very bad condition of uh, from the from the time when they moved the deities from the rented house to the new marble temple in Calcutta. Um, just behind the temple, uh, within the boundary wall of the Matlam there was a nice pond, man-made pond. Um, so they use this, they did and still do use this, this pond for uh, washing all the deities' pots and, um, and this using water for washing the deities. Now, uh, people in Bengal and Orissa, as I was explaining, you know, most of them are very fond of eating fish. Unfortunate but true. So uh, people used to come and fish in the pond. But this sounds so tough, we didn't like this at all. He said, you should not take fish from this pond. The pond said, this is non different from the Yamuna. And there was one man who anyway repeatedly came and he was fishing until one day a snake beat him. Be careful. Anyway, we shouldn't perform sinful activities, but it was specifically warned not to by a great saintly person, and, and we should be especially careful to heed their warning. Similarly, um, 
in Calcutta once, an advocate came to see Saraswati Thakur, and he was smoking cigarettes right in front of him in his very presence. And Saraswati Thakur requested him not to do so. But anyway, he did. And within a short time, he, uh, he got typhoid or cholera, I can't remember, and he also died. Not that Bhaktisthan uh, Sarasar Thakur hated anyone, but Krishna didn't tolerate any offenses against his children. Many times, people like advocates and professors and highly educated people come to Sarasar Thakur. There are various reasons for that. Generally, uh, in India, anyway, people like to come to see samples. Um Another reason was that Sarasar Thakur was uh, well known as a great scholar and intellectual himself and that he spoke very strongly. And uh, the points he made, were well, many of them were not popularly accepted. For instance, it was known that he was against whatever, or he, he was not uh, uh, favorable towards the Indian independence movement. It was known that he was uh, not in favor of the Ram Krishna mission, which was very highly respected even though they had flesh-eating sannyasis and other various severe discrepancies. Even today, in Bengal, if you speak against the Ramakrishna mission, you do so at the risk of your life. Of course, with the up, with the rise of Istvan, their influence has gone down. But even in 1970 or 1971, Prabhupada wrote letters to Jack Chakravarti said that, uh, he said these people, they're complete bastards, but don't speak publicly against them, <laughs> because it's... Uh, and it's just not the atmosphere to do so. Prabhupada said, uh, Bhaktisthan says we didn't openly speak against him, but privately he said that this Ramakrishna guy with his beard, he looks just like a goat. Chalo Ramakrishna. Another person who was very highly respected in Bengal was Rabindranath Tagore, who was... Uh, no, from a material point of view, he was a very highly talented poet, and he even won a Nobel Prize for Literature, Dynamite Prize for Literature. So he was very highly regarded, and still is today. But Bhaktisthan Sasratakwa used to call all these people Boka, which means fools. So uh, once Robin Tagore wrote a series of articles in a newspaper in the pseudonym, so Sajar Thakur replied to all his misconceptions, also under a pseudonym. So anyway, many intellectuals used to come t- to see Sajar Thakur, uh, especially when he got that uh, prestigious building at the Bhagavad Gita. And um, many of them came with challenging motives. They didn't, they were not satisfied with his message. But Saraswati Thakur, he would, uh, he would always defeat people in, in discussion. Once a group of scholars came to see him, they said, we have many questions to ask him. So Saraswati Thakur said, all right. But he said, first you just listen to me. So they agreed. And he spoke for over two hours. <laughs> Then he said, so what are your questions? <laughs> they didn't want to ask any questions. <laughs> they could understand that uh, 
There was no use to challenge him. That his uh, depth of understanding was so far superior to them. Then their objective, they could understand. Of course, they might not admit it, but they could understand that their, their objection was like a, like uh, children's objections compared to him. Mm. All right. I mean, I'm, it's probably exactly linear discussion, but just those ideas coming in here now. So, um, once a man came to the Goya Mat and uh, came to join, and usually people who came to join, they were sent to do some menial service, especially washing parts, clean out the cow shelters, and even if they were very highly qualified materially, that was their first service. Sarasari Thakur repeatedly emphasized that there is no material qualification for devotional service. And although he mostly preached to the uh, more educated class of people and uh, some very highly educated people joined him, he always emphasized that Krishna cannot be understood simply by one power. He would repeatedly uh, quote this verse from Narayanchanatra. I'll get the translation. So actually he had, he had some very highly educated and brilliant followers. Some. Many were also uh, simple, uneducated people who were attracted to the principles of purity which he established. So I said, anyways, uh, once someone came to join the mat, and he was sent to the kitchen, and after two or three days, the devotee said, you see this man, he's doing such good service. He scrubs the pot so hard, we never saw anyone scrub so hard like that. So Bhakti Sansa didn't seem very impressed. He said, all right, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how he so after a few days, um, the man's wife came and took him back home. What he said, you see, he was so enthusiastic. I was, he just came back so easily. So Bhakti Sansasar Thakur explained. He had an argument with his wife. And he wanted his wife to submit to him. But she didn't. So he came and joined them up. And he was just waiting for his wife to come and say sorry, and then he'd go back. He was in a very angry mood, so that's why he was scrubbing the pot so long. <laughs> of course, many young men used to come and join the martyrs, brahmacharyas. And uh, often their parents didn't like them. Does that ever happen in Russia? I think it's all over the world since the beginning of time. If a young man wants to be a sadhu, then the mother all of a sudden often develops a very serious disease that can only be cured if her husband comes home, if her son comes home. Mm. Or the whole family uh, threatens to commit suicide. And so on. These are normal things. So, um, often the families used to come looking for their son. And uh, lots of tears and wailing and bawling and falling on the ground, tearing their hair. And Bengali is a very <laughs> expressive feeling. Sasha Thakur would hide the brahmacharis away. And he, he would warn them, don't, don't be moved by the tears of your mother. That is Maya calling. 
And even the parents would call the police and say, do you know where that boy is? No. <laughs> so Sasar Thakur said, if we didn't do like this, there would be no Goryama. Because you know, almost all the parents, they were you know, on the verge of suicide if their son didn't come back. Of course, in, uh, in all these cases, when the son didn't come back, the, uh, surprisingly, the mother's disease somehow rather became cured anyway. And the families who were involved and commit suicide, they, you know, just when they were going to do it, they decided, well, maybe we shouldn't do it. The Sasha commented that even though, uh, sorry, Johnny Shekhar commented that even though Sasha Taco was very strict, he was very kind also. Uh, he said if he hadn't been, then who could have stayed in the up? Because uh, most of his followers were Bengalis. And although uh, generally mothers are known to be oceans of kindness, Bengali mothers are especially affectionate, especially towards their sons. As Kaupat told Kalavishnu Maharaj, who was going to preach in Bangladesh, he said that you should preach with the courage of an Englishman and the heart of a Bengali mother. So uh, these young men who were joining the mission, they were used to lavish affection and pampering at home. So if Sasar Thakpa hadn't been very kind, Jati Shaitan Prabhu said, then he helped anyone stay. Sasar Thakpa would often go around at night after the Brahmacharis had taken us and he'd see if anyone hadn't put their mosquito in it, he would personally put it. There's one devotee, Sadhikananda, who didn't like to sleep at night very much. He liked to stay up and chant more and more rounds. Um, if you've seen, they have these, in India, they have these, these cots like beds and uh, wooden beds, and they have four sticks in the four corners for tying the mosquito net. So Sadhikananda would sit on his cot chanting. And so he wouldn't fall asleep, he had his shooter tied up to the stick. So when he started to fall asleep, he go like this. So Sasar Thakur said that actually this is not the process of chanting. He said it's not a mechanical process, it has to come from the heart. Although uh, Kanan, he was much dedicated to, he had a very sincere desire to chant the holy names of the Lord. Um, generally, Sasar Thakur, like his, his whole mood was that everyone should be very busy. Um, he wanted everyone to follow sadhana, but he also wanted everyone to be busy in preaching activities. He would have the devotees go out early in the morning before people went to work and go door to door for begging. Maybe he would give some rice, some dal, some vegetables, maybe some monetary contribution. Um, so in this way, he always... He always wanted the devotees to be very busy, so they would be preaching and helping others and also not getting mired. In Oriya language, there is a word matawa, which means a lazy person. It means uh, someone who lives in a muck. In other words, because they have no work to do, so... So, Sarsal Thakur said, you should not be a matwa. Another word he used was matanebhi. Sorry, like grihanebhi. So he said, you should be a Mahamudi. Simply, a Grihanudi is a materialistic household. No interest in spiritual life. So he said, you should not be a Mahamudi. Simply, living in the mud with no interest in spiritual life. 
sometimes uh, he used to say that some of his marks, they were like a kawadawajukam, which means like a joint mess. Mm-hmm. Joint mess? Joint mess means uh, just like people that say they come from the village and they're living in the city. Mm-hmm. And they all come together and they all cooperatively, they cook together and they eat together. And it's a joint activity, it's just that they cooperate together for the sake of eating. That's their, that's what a joint mess is. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> because it does, you know, communism is one of It's part of industrial culture, mm-hmm. capitalist culture. Mm-hmm. Anyway. To a village. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he lamented that, uh, he, he saw that living in himself, they get up, sing one or two, have a little arti, sing one or two bhajans, then they'd go and collect some rice and dal, then they'd cook, they'd eat, wash the pots, take rest, and then again for the next meal they'd cook and eat and wash the pots, and that was their whole day's activity. Mm-hmm. So the whole day's activity centered around uh, eating. Of course, it's a lot of hard work to cook and to clean the pots and you know, to eat so much, so plenty of sleeping is also a thing. So, Sajra Thakur, to try to uh, countermand this tendency, he always was pushing everyone to be very busy in preaching. Once he came to the mud in Madras and found that it was in a very bad state of affairs. Everything was very dirty and shadowed. The boys were all fighting among themselves. There were no preaching activities. So Sajra Thakur just sent them all home. Oh, you all go home. Brahmacharya, you just go home. He said, you're not fit to live in a month. He just brought new Brahmacharyas in different places and started all over them. So it turned out uh, Swadhi Ananda, he liked to chant. Practically all day he would chant all those beads and the numbers. Or with, with what? I don't know. Beads are singing with him and So the bodies, they were complaining to Sarasar Thakur. He's not doing any work. He said, you're always telling us not, not to just sit in the temple and chant, and that's what he does. Sarasar Thakur, he didn't want everyone just to sit in the temple and chant. For two reasons, because he wanted preaching. Another reason that he knew that in the name of sitting and chanting, they would be sitting and snoring. So, in this case, however, Sarsar Thakur said that, uh, oh, actually it's very good. And he ordered that an advertisement be put in the newspaper. That everyone is welcome to join the government. We will provide food, clothing, shelter, all your basic requirements. But you have to chant Hare Krishna non-stop only. And Sarsar Thakur said, if anyone can actually do it, like Swadhi Thakur, that's very good. But no one came from here, from the separation. Uh, later, Swadhikananda was the well-known Krishna's Babaji Mohan, who was uh, well-known and a very dear friend to Prabhupada, who was very uh, well-known as being fully absorbed in chanting the holy names all day and night, and was an emblem of humility. If anyone ever came to him with any questions, his reply was, Hare Krishna. So, although in his youth he would tie up his chica to stay awake while chanting, by practice he came to the stage where he conquered eating and sleeping and he was chanting, chanting, chanting. 
So everyone knows India is basically most of the country is pretty hot. Just like Russia is known as a cold country. But just as in Russia, some portion of the year can be quite hot, so similarly in India, in the northern parts, in some parts it can be, some part of the year it can be quite cold also. Now I was telling you that people were coming and fishing there, even against the devotee's design. So they had a flower and vegetable garden also. So it was required that uh, someone guard that at night. And this, people come and steal all the flowers and vegetables. Yes, even though it was a temple of the Lord, still there were people who had no scruples about stealing from it. So what, what they did, they, they had like a watchman's hut, like a, a small thatch hut just in the, in the garden, keeping guard at night. So there was one Jagannath Brahmachari who used to stay out there at night. And even without warm bedding, he would stay out there in the winter. So he was quite proud of that. But uh, Sajra Thakur detected this pride in him. And he said that, well, someone else should stay out there now. Sajra Thakur, in the jungle, probably said, no, he said, no, I'm the only one who can stay out in the cold. And Sajra Thakur said, no, I just can do it also. I'm not the only one. Um, Sansar Thakur's main uh, center was at uh, Mayapur, Sri Chaitanya And later the Dagbazamat uh, in Calcutta became of uh, equal or in some ways more important. But Sansar Thakur also had many uh, small mats, several small mats within the whole Navadhi Mandal, the area of Navadhi. So there was one at uh, Mangachi, which is the modern name of the village, which uh, in, was previously named Vidyanaga, which was the place of Vindavanasthapa. Now there they had uh, extensive land with gardens and many cows there. So there's a lot of manual labor required. So many devotee like committed some bad offense or did something quite wrong that he shouldn't do it. He was sent to Mangachi to do a little uh, physical service. So that became known as the jail of the Gauriya. Um, at, at Chaitanya Mart also, the, the, there was some land where they, they had uh, vegetables and all this cultivation. But the uh, devotee in charge of organizing the garden said that no one wants to help. See, they're all great sadhus, they're all sitting and chanting on their beads. But no one wants to help grow vegetables to offer to Radha and Krishna. So when Sajra Thakur heard this, he went straight out in the garden. and said, tell me what to do, what need to do. And he started working in the garden. When all the other devotees heard this, they all came out and said, no, no, we don't do it, we shall do it. And he said, all right, do it then. And he worked for some time himself in the garden along with someone of his disciples. And after that, there was always someone to work in the garden. Well, that reminds me actually, when I went to uh, Gita Nagari, which is a, a farm project Prabhupada started in America, I saw the same thing, similar thing. And I don't think anyone had refused to work in the garden. I saw many devotees uh, 
working in the garden, among them was Pakichetana Now, as I was saying, um, Sasarataka used to send devotees out every day for collections. And some of the devotees, they were not just collecting a few potatoes here and there, they were actually very expert in raising and again significant contributions. So he came to Sasarataka's notice that some of the sannyasis were boasting and saying that, uh, you see, we're, we're maintaining the whole institution. Sasar Thakur is dependent upon us. Without, uh, without our help, without our fundraising, none of the many programs could go on. Now, although the Sasar Thakur's rule that everybody, every brahmachari, every sannyasi, except maybe the pujaris, they should go out every day for begging. He stopped everyone. Don't go on. He said, for ten days, you all just sit in the mat and you hear and chant. And he himself went out the collection for one day only. But during those ten days, so many contributions came to the mat unsolicited. People were bringing cans of ghee and sacks of rice. And Sasaritaka explained that, uh, that the mat is supported by Lakshmi. We are allowed to do some service of fundraising or whatever it may be. That's just our, that just Krishna is giving us a chance to serve him. But actually the, uh, Lakshmi, she is the consort of Narayana. If she is pleased, then she will give everything. We are not the doers. We are not able to do anything. Um, Sasar Thakur, he had, um, it's not exactly clear how many, at least 18 and maybe as many as 23 or 24 sannyas disciples. And Sasar uh, Thakur was displeased with some of them because he saw that in some of them there was a tendency to misuse their position. Because they were sannyasis, they tended to lord over the devotees and even mistreat them. And although it was natural that uh, sannyasis would be respected by other devotees, they were very demanding of that respect. And they were more interested in um, enjoying the facilities of sannyas than leading the life of dedication to preaching that is the meaning of sannyas. Not all sannyasis, but some of them. So Sarsarthako said, Korimam shinyashi ho yellow bilashi. I made them into sannyasis, renunciates, but they have become sense enjoyers. Once there was one Puri Maharaj, I'm not sure which one. Um, um, not, it is another Puri Maharaj who long since passed away. So, um, he was doing some collection in Bombay, which is, uh, I don't know about then, maybe Calcutta was a rich city, but anyway, Bombay is a rich city. So, um, you see, the Chaitanya Bhatt has been, been constructed. But at that time, there was no drinking water facility. The Ganga was there at some distance. Now the Ganga is very close. But uh, Ganga water isn't so suitable for drinking on, or, or general usage because it has a lot of mud in it. So it was very difficult for the body, so they wanted to make the tube words, some tube words. It means hand pumps. But these are quite expensive, as you have to... Bore into the earth. So this Puri Maharaj, he was in the home of a rich merchant. He visited the home of a rich merchant in Bombay. 
and he was flattering the man's wife. You know, you were just like Lakshmi, and he was flattering her. So the uh, people they offered here this some food, some fruit. You please eat this. People? Yeah, the the man and his family was with him. So uh, Sanyasi refused and said, "You see, I come from Mayapur, and the devotees are suffering there so much for lack of drinking water." And he said, "I won't eat anything unless you first pledge to give a donation for six tubers." Now, uh, people think it's very inauspicious if a sadhu comes to a home and you, you know, he doesn't eat anything, you have to feed him something. So they wanted, the man, the merchant said, well, you eat something first and then we'll discuss what you'll come for afterwards, because he's a man said he comes to some donation. But he refused and said, you get the donation first and I'll eat afterwards. So the wife of the merchant became very afraid. He said, it's very inauspicious for us if he leaves without eating, so give him what he wants. So even though it's a very large sum of money, the merchant uh, agreed. But when Sarasvara Thakur heard about this, he actually wasn't very pleased. He said, did you speak any Harikata to those people? He said, it's not proper that you simply go and ask for some contribution. And you simply flatter them, that's not proper. He said that you should go and speak Harikata, and then if they're satisfied with your preaching, and then let them contribute. So there are a few anecdotes. That's a okay story. Which gives some insights into the character of Sarasvara Thakur. That's right, you must have seen the notes from my, from the transcription from my book, that's where it came from. Well, actually, um, it's a play on words, which doesn't... It's a play on words. The uh, bho, the words bho, uh, bhoga and bhogya, which means bho, which is that means that which is offered, which becomes prasad after the Lord enjoys it. And bhogya means... Bho means that which is to be enjoyed, that means food which is offered to the Lord. And bhogya means... Uh, no, no, bhogya means that which is to be enjoyed. And bhokta, bhokta means he who is enjoying. So Sarasarathar was saying that you are not the, you are not the bhokta, you are not the enjoyer. You are the bhogya, you are that which is to be enjoyed. Similarly, he was saying uh, that when you go to darshan of the Lord, darshan means seeing. But he was explaining that we present ourselves before the Lord that he will see us, not that we go to see him. So it's a matter of consciousness that I'm presenting myself before the Lord that here I am, I'm your servant. Any other question? What benefit do the parents of devotees get? They, yeah, they also benefit. Every time you chant Hare Krishna, your parents benefit. It depends on uh, your level of development and uh, their own attitude will also affect how much they benefit. But definitely all the family members of uh, devotees, they get benefit from that. One person came to devotee. It said that up to, in Shastra, it said that up to 21 generations of a pure devotee, uh, pure devotee's family, both ancestors and descendants, they all get liberated. Is that a question? Speak louder. It's against religious principles? No, I'm asking. Mm-hmm. 
Mishon. Then uh, killing is not necessarily against religious principles. But unnecessary killing is against religious principles. For a king not to execute a murderer is against religious principles. If you read Krishna book, you'll find the answer to your question. Where it's described there that uh, another time Krishna and Arjuna were hunting also. So Kavad explains that uh, Kshatriyas, they used to go hunting for various reasons. One reason is they have to practice killing. Because when, they, when it's required, they have to fight in battle and kill enemies. So if they become squeamish at the sight of blood, then how can they fight? So they had to get used to the rather uh, unpleasant matter of killing. Another reason is that uh, the rishis they live in the forest, and therefore to reduce the population of dangerous animals in the forest, shepherds go hunting in the forest. Another reason is that the animals thus killed uh, may be offered in sacrifice. So it's not nice. Killing is not nice. But as uh, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, there is fault in every kind of activity. That in every activity there is some kind of fault, but it should not be given up for that reason. So Prabhupada explains in the purport that um, Kshatriyas, Kail, Vaishyas, they may have to um, speak some lies in the matter of business transactions. And even Brahmanas may be involved in uh, offering sacrifice of animals. So there's no way to avoid some nastiness in this material world. But one should not give up one's prescribed duties because they are nasty. Alright, Hare Krishna, we'll finish there. Yes, well, maybe next year I'll do a question and answer session. But, but we have to clear up another summary. Such persons' faith does not arise in Mahaprasad, in Govinda.